super excited today uh, to have a conversation with a leader from the great state of Michigan. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome Melissa Mays. We're going to be talking about water. We're going to be talking about Michigan. We're going to be talking about um, her journey to leadership and how she got to do this work that is so amazing, but so crazy too. Uh, so Melissa, welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you all for actually uh, tuning in to listen to me, you know, gab on. Well, let's get started with just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like where, where did you grow up and what, what got you to do this work? Uh, oh, well, great. Um, so my family is actually from the South, um, from Tennessee, actually, a little tiny itty bitty town close to West Virginia. Um, I spent most of my uh, life growing up in Southern Indiana and, uh, you know, where we had well water and you didn't drink well water because it was gross and everybody just knew that. So then in 2001, my job had transferred me up here to Flint, Michigan. Um, I was a financial planner at the time, so nothing near what I'm doing now. <laughs> so, um, you know, to take over a territory that um, was needed. Uh, General Motors had been cutting back its benefits for its retirees. So I was helping people, you know, protect their money, protect their insurance and find the best thing for themselves. So, you know, to be able to retire comfortably like they should have been. So I, I moved up here in the middle of a whole bunch of turmoil as it was. Um, it was not the Flint that it used to be apparently, but I was from the South and I was all excited. I didn't have to drive an hour to go to a mall or to like half hour drive to Taco Bell. So it was uh, all big. So when we moved up here, we had tap water and um, city water and it was, you know, I mean, it was fine. Like it was way different. Didn't smell like rotten eggs, didn't, wasn't yellow. It didn't, you know, smell terrible in the shower. It didn't, you know, I mean, there was like, you know, you could always get like that slight chlorine taste, but it was like pretty much like nothing. So we just went about our lives, you know, um, the water bills were creeping up over time. Um, we were paying the highest rates at that time. When um, in 2011, Governor Snyder got into office, former Governor Rick Snyder uh, took off office. And um, at that time, I, well, you know, I have three sons married. Uh, at the time I was raising my uh, one and a half year old niece. And I was a music promoter, I had gone into promotions and marketing from financial planning. And I was working for five different radio stations, I was managing bands, putting on concerts, festivals, tour managing, pretty awesome life, exhausting, but awesome, you know, it's fun, you know, I, I knew nothing of politics was not interested in any of that, you know, I was busy as it was. Um, took for granted that, you know, if I paid my $100 a month water bill that, you know, I would be getting what I paid for, which was very expensive, you know, because all the communities touching Flint, they paid well, um, in three months, what we paid in one month for the same water. But you know, I mean, Flint's a struggling city, all of the law, you know, when uh, Governor Snyder basically um, put in his emergency manager law, which was a guise, it was um, a guise to basically push the austerity policies and privatize all of our assets. He um, put in an, an appointed emergency manager, an unelected person that was able to veto all of our local government. So basically electing a city council and a mayor meant nothing because he could veto it. And he only direct, our, these emergency managers only do, um, you know, answered to the governor himself. So the emergency manager came in and started taking our, um, our public assets, uh, things that we owned as a city, like our garbage and our um, 
our farmer's market, uh, some of the schools, all this stuff, they, he began to privatize it. So it was cutting more and more revenue streams, which is, you know, at the time it seems stupid because why would you do that if you're trying to fix a financial issue? Because thanks to General Motors and the other industry being allowed to move out, we went from a city of 250,000 to a city of 100,000. And so lower tax base, blah, 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 blah. Cities falling apart, but they kept doing things like cutting revenue sharing, which is um, all the cities would pay into a, a pot, a tax pot um, uh, at the state. And then it would be divvied up to, be, um, to help the post-industrial cities like Detroit, Flint, Saginaw, uh, Pontiac, places like that that were struggling. And it would give them a financial boost to help them recover and try to, you know, catch up with technology and whatever. But instead, Governor Snyder said, let's go ahead and cut that because, you know, wealthy don't need to pay taxes anyways. Um, businesses don't need to pay taxes. Let's go ahead and just cut the revenue sharing. And then, of course, he ushered Detroit into bankruptcy, which, of course, made history. Well, Flint was on the same path. Literally, the only thing that protected us from going bankrupt was the water crisis. And so how that worked was 2014, the emergency manager in the state made a decision without our local government or us to switch to the Flint River, which the industry had, you know, for 100 years dumped toxic waste into it. And of course, we now know there's PFAS, fracking waste, all this wonderful stuff in the river and said, well, you guys can drink from that until we're able to put you on this privatized pipeline that's not finished yet. And um, didn't test the water in the river, didn't do any testing, went against what the locals had said. Now, while all this was going on, I heard that we were supposed to start drinking from the Flint River and laugh. We all laughed. We thought it was a joke. We're like, ha ha, that river stinks. You don't even go near it in the summertime. It's terrible. Nobody fishes in mm. there. There's not fish in there. It's, it's, and you know, it's, it's, it's waste where all these you know, plants had just jumped into. So um, didn't think much of it, but then you just in the back of your head at that time, I was naive, you know, I was in my thirties and I thought, well, you know, they, they're gonna do their job. They're not gonna give us something bad, you know? <laughs> so funny. Um, so 2014, we started having um, rashes and people were complaining immediately about orange and brown water. They were the lucky mm. ones. And what that was, was our water was, uh, the river itself is, uh, was 19 times more corrosive. And the state decided that it wasn't worth $150,000 to put in the equipment to put in corrosion control, which with the river being so bad, it wouldn't have stopped what happened, but it would have slowed it down. Um, so people were immediately like a month or so into it, seeing uh, orange brown water, which was iron corrosion and which is bad, but not deadly. And so they, they knew to stop drinking their water. Well, what happened to the rest of us who had clear water because lead and bacteria and carcinogens and some of these other contaminants don't have any color, odor, taste, um, just kept drinking our water because the city and state would go on the news and say, it's just this person's house. They have old plumbing, it's not uh, their fault. Wait a so. minute, time out, time out. So this is crazy. Like, let me go back to financial planner. <laughs> so you're, you're from Tennessee, you go to Michigan and you're talking to, I assume, ex-union workers, about keeping their retirement assets, right? So, so tell us a little bit about the, the history of Flint in terms of like, so what industries are there? Where, like, how did that river get so dirty? So Flint is the basis for a lot of you know important change, important movements in in this country. Uh, the labor movement, the sit down strike, General Motors, Buick. We were the 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 founders. Basically, we we started the middle class. Everybody knew you could work at the plants, um, and it's not. It wasn't just you know General Motors, Buick, AC, Delco, and all that. There were also all of the supporting industries who made parts for General Motors. So this was this was a GM union town. This city, you know, I mean, was founded upon that. You know, I mean, we made history. They're, they're, they're like, I mean, the Housing um, Act, that all of that, all of that started 
here in Flint, um, the fight against redlining and all of that happened here. There's so many movements that started in Flint. And that's why we say here, as goes Flint, so goes the world. And unfortunately with the water crisis, as well as post-industrialization, uh, that's what happens. What happens yeah. to us then ends up spreading. So, and emergency management too. That's another horrible export and Betsy DeVos, but we don't talk about that. So um, privatization, that, that's the thing. There are a lot of assets and wealth. Michigan is a beautiful state. We really are the Great Lakes state, but yet there's so many of us um, that don't have access to any water, let alone clean and safe or affordable water. So, um, so yeah, so we, we, we had all these factories and we had all these industries and all the supporting businesses. So when General Motors moved tens of thousands of jobs and their plants, I mean, we had in Flint, we had 250,000 um, people that lived here, more people that came into work, as well as um, there were eight major plants and three minor plants um, that used the water system and also used the river to dump. To, to dump the waste, you know? I mean, they basically just dumped it into holes. They talked about um, there were holes in the plant floors and they would dump the waste in there. Come up from Tennessee, like, I, I don't know if you knew all this labor history prior to getting up there, but... No, no, I didn't know anything because, well, I grew up in um, Southern Indiana. And so the biggest city we have is Indianapolis. And it was in a similar kind of situation to where factories mm. had moved and closed down and people had lost jobs and things like that. But I mean, I still lived an hour or so, you know, south of there. So it, it didn't hit where I lived. The only thing I saw at the time, and I was what, 21 at the time, I think, I, you know, I was a kid, um, but, and I was doing well at, at my job and everything like that. So all I knew is that Flint had stuff. You know, because yeah. we didn't have stuff where I grew up. I mean, there was only a couple thousand people that includes all the farmers and probably the surrounding farm animals. So I grew up in a very, very, very tiny town. And so Flint had things and that was exciting for me. And, and also Southern Indiana was all white and not diverse at all. And I wanted better for me and I wanted better for my you know, future family, my, my, my kids, you know, mm -hmm. th that I plan to have. <laughs> so I, I had always wanted out anyway. And, you know, like everybody usually does when they grow up in a small town. So, um, so yeah, so I moved up here and it was totally different and it was awesome. And, and of course, as you go, you learn the history of Flint. Uh, I always say that when we bought our first house after running, we bought our first house in Flint, we we're just surprised. I'm like, wow, I got this really beautiful house for so cheap. Yeah. I was um, pregnant at the time and we were unpacking and the cable guy had just hooked up the cable and he was asking me to flip through the channels. And um, all of a sudden I'm flipping through and I see something called uh, Roger and me. I'm like, oh, cool. It's about Flint. Holy Lord. I watched that and I was like, oh my God. You know, hey, then millennials, like, any millennial like, on this call, you need to, right after this, you need to go to Netflix and you need to look up Michael Moore, Roger and me. And then you might as well watch the other documentaries too, right? Um, yeah, I, I'm actually in uh, Fahrenheit 11.9, so that's a good one. I have a, Michael said I have my epic eye roll in it. So, so, so yeah, so I'm watching this and I'm like, good God, what did I get us into? I didn't realize it was so bad because you don't see it when you're coming in from the outside and you haven't been through it and you haven't, you didn't know the glory that was Flint. And, you know, you, you didn't, but then again, it didn't really impact me. I mean, I, I got to hear these really cool stories from the retirees and, and it was awesome. And then not too long after I got into promotions and marketing, I toured and I traveled. So I'm seeing cities from all over the country and I'm like, Flint's not that bad you know so not mm -hmm. a big deal even though like a uh, funny story I was tour managing by myself and I had a I was working for Bayer Diagnostics at the time um, and I had a mobile app 
and it was an RV and I was driving, I was the manager, the tour manager, and I was by myself. And this is pre like, you know, Google maps and all that great stuff. So I was getting handwritten directions and somebody gave me wrong directions to get to San Bernardino. All of a sudden I'm noticing roads, uh, street signs from the movie Friday. And I'm like, Hey, wait a second. Oh, go cool. So I'm in Compton. That's all right. Fine. So I just pull over and I go to walk into a little store with this giant RV and I go in and I ask the guy, I'm like, Hey, look, uh, I need to get to this, whatever, um, highway to get to San Bernardino, blah, 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 blah. And he was at, then he asked me, he's like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from uh, Michigan. He's like, oh, really? Cause he was trying to guess my accent. Uh-huh. Um, funny, funny thing is that uh, since I was also on the radio at the time too, I had worked really hard to iron out my Southern accent because at the time a young female with a Southern accent wasn't taken seriously. So same thing with the financial planning. So my accent's weird. It's like a weird bastardization of, you know, I guess Michigan and Midwest and the South, you know, mixed all together. So he asked me where I was from. Plus I talk fast. And um, I said, oh, I'm from Michigan. He's like, oh, where about? I was like, Flint. He's like, oh, honey, you're used to the ghetto. So let me go ahead and just send you a shortcut because to get out on the highway, it's going to be a longer way around. So let me just go ahead and shoot. He's like, you know how to duck. And I'm like, awesome. Great. <laughs> So, so, so the difference from then is like, people would say, oh, you're from Flint. Like, look at you. Like, are you going to rob me? And I'm like, well, now I might. And then, you know, then, then now when they talk to you and say, oh, you're from Flint. Oh, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And the pity. No, I would prefer to have the, are you going to shoot me? So, I mean, except sometimes it's kind of paid off. Now you're a friend of mine, a a co, um, one of my cohorts in this uh, fight for justice here, Nayara Sharif, she's amazing. We went to the New York public library and the security guard has family in Flint and he let us go, um, look at some closed off exhibits, you know? So that was kind of cool. That was one time it didn't, you know, it actually kind of was cool. But, um, but that aside, um, I, I love my city. I love that there's uh, like this really cool, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a metal promoter and band manager. I've been doing that for a long time. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I had my life and I traveled, so I got to see a lot of other cities. So I didn't think mine was so bad because there's a lot of struggling cities out there. Um, so then in 2014, um, when they decided amongst, amongst all advice to the state decided, well, we're going to save money by, um, switching to the Flint river, which had been toxic for quite some time. There was a study that was done by Kettering university by a professor and they found 129 contaminants in the river. Um, DuPont had dumped paint into the, you know, into the ground and right at the, um, right at the edge of the water, they had actually put the, um, army Corps of engineers had put these cement walls up to keep the river from overflowing into the city because that's uh, bad stuff to come into mm-hmm. your basement. So there were, you know, so there was all these things, but everybody just knew it was gross. But then the way they presented it is like, we have this water treatment plant and we took out all these loans to make it better. Of course, they didn't say it was years earlier and no, it wasn't better. And the money got spent elsewhere. We found out later that they had, um, it's called Chevy in the hole where the plants got knocked down. They had spent $1.6 million on these phytoremediation trees, which are supposed to help eat away or whatever, um, wick away the um, contaminants in the soil. (laughs) Uh, They died. They planted the phytoremediation trees, 1.6 million of them, and they all died. So that's interesting. Of course, we find this out later. Um, you find out later, and you're like, wow, I'm re- I was really stupid to trust anybody. Um, so, you know, 2014, the water's changing colors for people. At our house, it really didn't at first. And, you know, it was, it was odd with the smells. But then again, they'd be like, oh, no, there was a main break, and we're working on, you know, plumbing. Don't worry about it. it it'll be fine. They always had an excuse and it was a bump in the road. And for somebody like me who didn't know anything about water chemistry or science or any of that great stuff, I had um, literally zero, 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 zero um, idea 
I'm not going to drink it if it smells bad. I mean, but you cook with it, you boil it, you shower, you bathe, you, you do all these things. At the time, I was working out four to five days a week to make my tattoos look awesome. I wanted some cool muscles. And so I was drinking a gallon to a gallon and a half of water a day because that's what you do to be healthy, right? And my kids, I didn't allow them to have pop or anything like that. No sugary juices when they're out playing in the summertime, handing them glasses of water. We now know that that's something called moral injury. And uh, yeah, that's something um, that's down the line. So then... Um, in 2014, you would, you would talk to other people online and you, you know, you'd say like, you know, I had a patch on my face um, and it wouldn't go away and it burned when you put stuff on it. So people would be like, well, try coconut oil, try this, try this. So it, it became like this online advice thing that, oh man, you know, that the water's just harder because river water is just harder. I'm like, ooh, we're gonna have to get a water softener or something, you know? And I'm like, that's, you know, it's kind of expensive and I'll, I'll deal with it later. I'll just get some creams and it, it'll be fine. And then odd things started happening. Like my son got pneumonia um, in September of 2014. Come to find out it very well could have been legionnaires i end up getting sick myself a respiratory infection that didn't go away for three months there are only three antibiotics types of antibiotics that will work for legionnaires luckily my son was put on one of them um just by chance because at the time you don't check for legionnaires it's a bacteria that um lives in water pipes due to water corrosion and you inhale it through steam through the shower so they don't usually test you for legionnaires because um, it's a form of bacterial pneumonia. They'll you know, take it, test you for pneumonia, but they won't do that unless you've been around a commercial air conditioning unit, uh, which was what happened, I believe, in, um, in Pennsylvania with, with the, the first large legionnaires outbreak. Of course, we broke that record. And then um, or if you have a hot tub, which, of course, we don't. I'm like, OK, so that's the only times they ask you about legionnaires or test you for it. By the time we found out that legionnaires existed and it was really bad in my neighborhood and um, that we had Legionella in our plumbing, um, the bacteria that causes Legionnaires. Uh, we didn't find out about that until long after the antibodies would have been gone out of our system. So it's um, good times. So a lot of the finding out after the fact. So, you know, as for our home, it was like hard water. My hair started falling out. My muscles started hurting. My bones started hurting. Um, my stomach started swelling up when I ate. And then my um, nutritionist found out because I was working on the nutritionist because, you know, not to be uh, shallow or anything, but I want to make sure I worked out, but I didn't lose my... Uh, upper area here because that's how I got out of speeding tickets so I wanted to make sure that you know I was working out right but also for a female body and not for you know you, 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 it's, it's hard to find that when you want to build muscle and not you know look like that and and um just going about our place and then my son at the end of 2014 had fallen off his bike my middle child fell off his bike and his wrist splintered and the doctor couldn't understand the pediatrician couldn't understand why it's splintered like I'm like oh man he's like yeah we're gonna have to up his uh, in, uh vitamin d and uh calcium intake I'm like oh Okay, that's odd. A kid drinks milk all the time. Fine. So more and more and more started happening. And then January of 2016, um, uh, some homeowners, not all, and no renters, not most renters, um, got a little trifold in the mail. And, you know, usually when it's one of these things addressed to residents from the city of Flint, it is another tax increase. Or I keep getting taxes for uh, property tax increases for a streetlight that I don't have in front of my house. And so I was annoyed. I'm like, oh God, what now? You know, because our water bill had just gone up. I had just paid like $500 for like two months of water. I'm like, oh my God, this is getting out of control. I can't afford this. And, you know, it's Christmas time. Oh my God. You know, so I look at it and I finally open it. And it says, dear resident, for the past nine months, and I'm paraphrasing, um, your water has been contaminated with a cancer causing by, uh, byproduct called total trihalomethanes. You're probably fine, blah, 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 blah. Here's all the things we're doing. It'll be fine. But you may want to consult your doctor before using your water. I'm like, well, that's odd. Why would I ask my doctor about using my tap water? So I did. And my doctor said, I have no idea what total trihalomethanes are, but that's not good. So I hit Google and uh, come across a, a certain lady uh, called Lois Gibbs. 
and uh, reached out to her and Stephen, who gave me a very big book on how to organize. I'm like, whoa, I don't, I don't, I'm not an activist. I, do, I don't do any of this stuff. They also gave me scientific information about um, um, total trail of methanes. And then also uh, the community had reached out to Aaron Brockovich as well. So we were stalking the two ladies of bad water um, to just get some help and get some answers on what to do because nobody else would talk to us. Nobody would test our water. Nobody would, you know, do any of these things. Um, and so they actually took the time, you know, and I'm, I'm reading up on what this, uh, this uh, little lady Lois had done. I'm like, oh, I was like, this is amazing. And then of course, later when I told my attorneys uh, down the line that I was taking advice from Lois Gibbs, they said, don't get arrested. Um, you know, don't do that. And then also don't, you know, don't do anything like kidnapping an EPA rep because honestly the Trump administration would probably welcome if you did that. They would probably applaud you. I'm like, yikes, things are a little bit different. Um, and then when President Obama was coming, uh, Lois gave me some uh, ideas to try to get his attention, to get him to talk to us and it didn't work. So anyway, we tried, but, um, and then there was that whole spiel. So anyhow, um, we started looking it up online and I realized they'd been lying to us the entire time that it was very dangerous. They were using outdated, uh, like 60 year old data to say that we're all fine and safe that pertain to swimmers. Most of us aren't swimming in our tap water. We're cooking with it. So we got more and more information on how to stay so safe. And then I realized, okay, well, I'm a promoter. Uh, my husband's a graphic artist. And he came up with the name, What Are You Fighting For?, which is my group that we founded in January of 2015. And we basically started as a website and a portal to accurate information because we needed the residents to know we were being lied to. And here's the information they were asking for and not getting because there's town halls, protests, all this stuff. We went to our first protest in January 2015. I was very scared because the media makes, you know, protesters look like they're, you know, just thugs and crazy. It was great. I walked up and down the street and started, I started my very first, what I know now is a bootleg uh, epidemiological study where I started asking people where they lived, what their symptoms were, what was happening. So we started doing a spreadsheet and a map. Um, and because the biggest thing is they always said it was just this neighborhood or it was just this house. So that was our goal. Um, one, of our, one of our goals was to get people information, to get them, we, we spent our tax return that year printing up um, thousands upon thousands of door hangers because I know from my PR background that you can't be sticking things in people's mailboxes. I don't have the money to mail stuff to everybody. And I had people volunteering, including my children for some free labor, uh, because they thought it was hilarious to hang stuff on people's doors because it's legal to hang door hangers. So we did that. We made very colorful information, gave phone numbers to the health department, to the, you know, the things to ask for, the things to get your water tested for, the water department, all this stuff, the, you know, all of our elected officials, all the way up into the president and everything like that. Um, and giving people advice, knocked on the doors, got interviews with people, collected more data information. That's what it was. We thought if we got the information and figured this out and proved to the world that we were being poisoned, that, you know, the government would step in and fix things. Well, it's really funny when the government's the one that's doing it to you. So, um, so yeah, so that's just kind of how it snowballed. It wasn't a conscious decision to get involved. I just, I don't like people lying to me. And then the guilt from me handing my kids water and seeing their damages, seeing that my um, son had to go into speech therapy, started losing words. Um, mm. my, all three of my kids had, um, they have compromised immune systems. They do not make enough white blood cells. Um, and two of my sons have to go to extremely pain, because they're six one. they have to go to extremely painful physical therapy because when you're between the ages of nine and 14, lead um, gets uh, absorbed by your growth plates, which are open and spongy to allow when your bones grow, your joints and muscles will stretch along with it. And their growth plates are like from the back of your neck all the way down to the bottoms of your feet. Well, heavy metals uh, closes those prematurely. So they had to, they've gone through multiple rounds of physical therapy to have somebody literally painfully stretch those muscles and um, 
everything out for them. So mm. um, watching them struggle, watching my son almost fail um, because he couldn't remember he had brain fog and memory loss. He couldn't remember the stuff he studied the night before, so he was failing tests. So he had to start getting up early and we had to get a tutor to help him. He'd get up at six to restudy all of the things he studied the night before because he would forget it. And he had to put it in there quick enough and then take the test and then would lose it again. So it's been a lot. And then of course I started having seizures, um, tremors, memory loss, um, that, IBS, diverticulosis. Our house started falling apart. Um, we, you know, I have an autoimmune disorder that likes to beat me up and did great when I um, ended up catching COVID because we have 100,000 immune compromised and altered people here in Flint and nobody did anything to protect us from the virus, still aren't because, you know, they're garbage. Um, so we've lost a lot of activists. We've lost a lot of our elders in this community and it hit a lot of us hard. Um, I have a implant to monitor my heart because uh, the, the water didn't hit my heart and lungs. So COVID went ahead and caught up and fix that so to make sure that all my organs and systems got nailed and so we constantly are fighting um, today is day 2553 in the flint water crisis meaning the 25th in four days is seven years since they switched our water we have the only thing that we've been able to do to make any kind of success i mean yeah we blew it up we did the testing we did everything we needed to do um, to get the world to know we were being poisoned and yeah we had attention for about two minutes and then once the media went away, the people just thought we were better. And then what doesn't help is the frontliners and the loudest voices were getting sick. And um, the trauma of what they do to you when you speak up, that's been interesting. My ta I mean, I had my brake lines cut at one of our water um, um, collection concerts I threw. Uh, I've had people threaten me. I've had people follow me. I've had um, my, t my property taxes doubled for some reason, because the county loves me. Um, and so just stuff like that, things like that. I've had my jobs threatened. I've had, you know, I mean, but I'm just kind of like, I ain't got nothing to lose. You mess with my kids, bite me, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and I got some good advice from some from very strong, strong women and who have been doing this a lot longer than me. So I look up to them a lot and I'm like, well, Lois ain't quit. She's still a mean one that tears into people. So, you know, I got no place to complain and to quit and, you know, I know that this is now what I'm meant to do. And my chemistry teacher from high school uh, likes to pop onto my Facebook and be like, as I'm talking about the different water stuff and different chemistry, he's like, told you you'd need this. So hmm. yeah, pay attention to chemistry. <laughs> so, so it's been interesting, but we've had to learn everything so we could push back on these hired experts that decided to say everything is fine, even though we still are getting our water through contaminated pipes. We sued um, with the NRDC and ACLU of Michigan. We filed a lawsuit and in 2015, at the end of 2015, and we settled March 28th of 2017 to force the city and state to replace all of our uh, lead and galvanized steel service lines we're still in the process of that worst baby job sitting job ever they've done everything they could to get out of it but we don't give up and uh and that's just service lines we're still pushing for federal funding to get the distribution mains and the plumbing and fixtures and appliances in our houses replaced because again the corrosive water ate everything our bodies our uh, um, plumbing in our homes and we didn't do it they did it to us so we're trying to hold them accountable unfortunately as we all well know the lead and copper roll and safe drinking water act um are horribly outdated. I testified in front of Congress in um, February, made one congressman leave because uh, he tried talking to me like he was uh, like I was an idiot. And he called me young lady. And I'm like, dude, you don't do that. And mm. so I talked in really big words. And he said, I'm um, young because what he was trying to do is say it was just Flint. And again, we know way better than that. I've um, been able to uh, up until COVID. Um, I've been traveling all over North America. And I know it's not just Flint. It's not just Flint. I mean, in Flint, it was done to us. But for the, a lot of the rest of the country, uh, their, their infrastructure, I mean, we got a D plus. 
um, the, our infrastructure, it's buried in the ground, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you know, that kind of thing. And so I've helped cities uh, and towns organize uh, to, to fight their own water contamination, air and soil as well. And so when people ask me, why don't I move? One, I didn't do this. Two, if I leave, they win. Um, and th that's what they want to push us out because they've been gentrifying the, you know, our town like crazy. And um, I have no place I know that I would move to. I don't know anywhere in this country that doesn't have the, you know, the, the possibility of becoming Flint, um, doesn't have emergency, there's 37 states that have a version of the emergency manager law on their books that they could use at any time and take away democracy to fix a bottom line issue that they created. Um, and then what happens is that, you know, people are cutting corners to save money and, uh, you know, water's the new oil, it's the new gold. And it's the last fashion of, um, you know, public assets, basically. And they're trying to privatize everything. We're fighting Veolia, of course. And um, because, you know, they privatize, they up the rates, they don't invest in the infrastructure. So we're trying to get the government through the Water Act and everything like that to invest in water infrastructure and um, put in proper infrastructure in places, you know, native reservations don't even have infrastructure. So something that has been ignored, but water is something everybody needs to live. So, um, and there's no reason anybody and even though it's been a majority black and brown communities and poor communities that have been getting hit with it because they're um, considered uh, disposable people. And uh, they, in Flint, they made the mistake of thinking that we didn't have the wherewithal or the intelligence or the ability to organize and understand the science, which we did. So once again, we're trying to lead the way and say, okay, you're poisoned, you're hurt, you're suffering. Um, and that's why I say, my, one of the things I say a lot is we're not victims, we were victimized, but we're not victims, we're fighters. And we're not gonna give up until they replace every piece of damaged infrastructure or pay for it. And then again, we have that $642 million settlement. That's not enough, not even close, but it's a start to start to be able to give people a little bit of money to maybe get some filtration systems in their home and start fixing their homes to make it safe to actually live here. That's so, right. and again, that's not, it's not enough for a hundred thousand people. And so, yeah, so that's uh, the, the long of it, I guess. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, no. look, I, um, you know, what's really amazing, Melissa, like, so first of all, we have a lot in common, like, I've been playing rock and roll for a long time. Um, and, you know, there's a, uh, a great uh, poet of the 80s and 90s that said, uh, music makes the bourgeoisie into rebels. Uh, so I don't know how much of your, uh, you know, of your disposition comes from that rock and roll. I know some of it comes from other leaders like, uh, you know, you mentioned Lois. Are there other folks like in your life that you drew inspiration from? Because if you're, you know, a financial advisor slash music promoter, like, how do you, like, you have a lot of information, right? Like, there's some, some of it is political history. Some of it is, you know, sounds to me like is technical, scientific information that you've gathered. To someone who is just maybe starting out, who has a problem in their community, um, like, what might you say to them? How did you come to this with all of this information already? Or did you use some, did you have role models that inspired? Oh Lord, no, no. Um, so part of it, part of just me is my personality. So I, uh, I had a nickname back in school of champion of the underdog. I would get kicked out of school because I would fight because somebody would pick on one of my best friends who had cerebral palsy. Another one of my friends had epilepsy and I would get into fights. Yeah, so I got into a lot of fights 
And so that's kind of like my personality. It's also why I work with metal bands because they're not commercially, they're not going to be in it for the money. They're in it for the love. And honestly, a lot, what people don't realize is a lot of metal music is very political. Um, you just have to listen to the screaming, you know? <laughs> so unless you, a lot unless of you listen to Iced Earth, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. So, so the thing is, is that, you know, you have to, you know, so a lot of that came from that passion too, of trying to help the little guys succeed. And that's where I was with financial planning is, you know, we have these seniors who worked all this time. So that's okay. So that's part of my personality. It's why I now I'm a social worker in mental health. Didn't see that one coming. Um, but um, just trying to help the people who are being hit the worst, you know, fight back. So I kind of always had that like personality, but zero technical knowledge, zero legal knowledge, zero political knowledge, none of that stuff. So what I tell people is don't ever sit back and let somebody else walk in and be an expert. You learn. You get on there and you get on Google and you learn, you ask questions, you, you know, hit up Lois, you ask her 30 billion questions, you ask Steven 30 billion questions, because there are people out there that will help you. I help. I, I do everything I can to help share the knowledge and to, you know, help people even just to help them ask the right questions, because I did not know the right questions. I didn't know we even had the right to know what was in our water or how it was being treated. Like when I went in there and I asked for a whole, I went to the water treatment plant and lied and said I was a student. Like, I don't know who bought that, but, um, you know, and I asked for a whole bunch of things. I'm like, man, I'm not supposed to have this stuff. Some I wasn't supposed to, but some I was, I had the right to know that, but I did not know that. So you go in and you, I, this is how I tell people with concerts too. You walk in there, like you own the place, like you're supposed to be there and you demand the information and you demand what's right. So you have that attitude, you hide it, you put on a face and you demand the, and you ask these elected officials questions. Like I get into it with my elected officials and I hold them accountable. I put their feet to the fire and now they're used to it. And they do the right thing sometimes just to avoid talking to me. And that's one wonderful you know so it's don't let don't ever think that these people are better than you because they have letters after their name they you know because they're elected because they make all this money all that stuff so that's something I had to learn because who was I I'm this tattooed mom from Flint you know like metal lady and blah 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 blah. what do I know well now I can run circles around people with water chemistry I can run a, a congressman out of there because he didn't know how water was treated uh, properly or improperly and so you can always learn as long as you have the open mind to learn, because a lot of these experts, I went to school and got a PhD for this, so it's in this tiny little box, and I refuse to acknowledge anything that might be outside of the box or that's been updated. So I got sued by a PhD who had that attitude. He sued me for $3 million because I said our water was still bad, and he was saying that it was fine. Uh, I won. So anyway, and also $3 million is hilarious. So and then you're going to have that and it's just preparing people for the opposition but the biggest thing is you build a community there are other people like you that know that something's wrong in your gut even if you don't have the right words yet you don't know exactly what's wrong because we didn't so but you can find those answers find a good team we have a lot of amazing activists even like you know they accepted me and I had no idea what I'm doing and then we have uh, the concerned pastors for social act action um, who are mostly you know the black elders in our community they adopted this white tattooed chick who is not religious and we stand there and you know stand toe to toe and that i think is the scariest is when you unite across racial lines economic lines you know graphical lines you know like i hey i live on the west side i got friends on the north side that kind of stuff when you reunite like that that's some serious serious power and you can ask the right questions and if you stand there together and push for these you're going to get the answers and you might not always like them because we've never liked any answers that we got, you know, when we find the truth out and stuff. I mean, same with COVID, they lied the whole time. But, um, you know, just realize too that not everybody does what they're hired or elected to do. Mm -hmm. And that's something, that's one thing that really does hurt about this job is when 
you see that final piece of like trust break in somebody's eyes because they're like, well, I paid my water bill uh, and I, I, I elected these people and they did this to me because mm -hmm. nobody at first wanted to believe that our elected officials would do anything to harm us. I think the past several years have taught people otherwise yeah. in general, but that's something that you have to help people through too. So, um, so that's something that you just stick with it. If you know in your gut something's wrong, you don't let anybody shut you down until you get the answers that you're looking for, even though you might not know what they are. And nobody's better than you than you to fight for what you believe is right. Absolutely. And if we can uh, get some t-shirts printed with that, I would <laughs> love that. Um, let me go to the top. And so can we talk about the Obama thing? Um, sure. And if I can summarize, because I want to make sure that I'm understanding the situation. So for decades and decades, the auto industry, heavy industry. So the auto industry is not just the plants that make the cars, but I'm, I'm guessing it's paint. Like you mentioned, DuPont. Mm -hmm. It is auto parts plating, which I know some about. It is... I mean, we're talking about just like the heaviest kinds of trash that you could think of are getting dumped in this river for decades. Some of these chemicals are forever chemicals. They never go away. Um, nobody knows exactly what's in that river. And then about 10 years ago, uh, the Republicans decide that people should be drinking that stuff. Do I have that cheaper. right? Yeah, because it was cheaper and it was just us. The other communities that were connected to the same Detroit water system like we had been connected to for 50 years, they didn't get switched over, just the city of Flint. Okay, so, Racism. all right. Yeah, so the, in other words, I don't know, like I mentioned, I don't know Michigan, but I'm sure that the one percenters in the state of Michigan weren't drinking the river. Am I right about that? Oh yeah, no, no, nobody was ever drinking it. I mean, it hadn't been drinking it for 50 years. And, and in general, northern states don't use rivers because they're harder to treat because they fluctuate so much. And then also where there's a lot of snow, there's a lot of uh, road salt and mm -hmm. farm runoffs and different stuff like that. So in general, most northern cities do not use a river for their drinking water. Lake water is usually the preferred. Okay. And so the, the, the story in the news that I saw was a lot of kids and mostly black kids getting lead poisoned from this absolutely uh, yeah we have uh, lead copper aluminum tin chromium um multiple different types of uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria as well as the total trilomethanes which cause cancer okay so at the time we this is a different world we have a first black president who is democratic who is a lot of people's hope for change um comes to Flint and what happened like so so tell us about that so we had asked um, for quite some time we had been writing the um, every level of government including um, Obama's office about declaring us a disaster area the reason for that being is that um, he, he ended up declaring us an emergency a state of emergency uh, toward the federal government sent uh, two million dollars I believe um, in water and filters and then they were able to dispatch um, you know the CDC to do the health study the Casper study mm -hmm. and to um, and sent the EPA in and everything like that. The problem is is that if we are a state of emergency and not a disaster, uh, the state, who did this to us and who is in charge of our recovery, which is why we don't have one, because they're the ones that did this to us, 
is still is still in charge. They blocked, we had a Shigella outbreak and they blocked the CDC from coming in and doing any testing. They blocked the EPA. Um, the state was, we busted them. They got caught cheating and lying on the lead test and the blood lead level um, test in kids. Um, so the state of Michigan is keeping uh, scientists from the United yes. States federal government yes. from coming in to help. Because of states' rights and everything, um, the, the, the state has to ask the federal government to come in unless it's declared a disaster area. And they had told us, well, we can't declare you a disaster because, um, because of the Stafford law. Whatever reason, states' rights, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's not a disaster if it's man-made. And this was man-made. Now, and so we threw up like, well, you, Katrina was um, declared a disaster and technically the levees failed, which were as a man-made, you know, whatever. So we tried and begged, we're like, please. And I get it that there were limitations. So what happened was Obama came to Flint after uh, Mari Copany, Little Miss Flint sent him, wrote, she was nine at the time, wrote him a letter and he came to Flint and there was a big outcry. So it was exciting. So there were like, my, I took my kids out of school. We waited and ran the rain until we got there and we got in there and we were hoping um, for something awesome. Now something awesome was he made uh, Governor Snyder at the time uh, face Flint, which was the only time he faced Flint residents um, in a public setting and they booed him. So he lasted a whole two minutes, hilarious. The politics at the time was that you have a Republican governor Who's and, really, and state house, legislature Republican too. Okay, so the great state of Michigan, right? The birthplace of the UAW and worker power and manufacturers, because of the industrialization. For some, let's just not get into it, but turns red. So you got a red Republican governor and fully red legislature. They poison people by making only the poorest drink from a river that's been polluted for decades. The federal government tries to send scientists and resources over, they block it. Yes. Now the first black president democratically elected Barack Obama comes to Michigan. Like the politics here are you know, it's just important to give people context if they weren't there. Uh, I'm sure it must have been for you all, it must have been, wow, okay, this is really exciting because help is on the way. Am I right about that? Yeah, we thought that things were going to change and that we could, if we could get in front of him and he could see what was happening, that, you know, that, that he would, you know, not save us, but at least give us, open the door because um, and what I talk about in Fahrenheit 11.9 is that, you know, we asked for a, a federal declaration of disaster because what that would do is get the Army Corps of Engineers in here because we had unemployed plumbers in a water crisis, you know, union plumbers, we had them, but then we also had plumbers, the plumbers union here say, give us a little bit of time and the resources, we can get plumbers from all over the country because they had them coming in and volunteering, we could have every piece of infrastructure replaced in a year everything mm -hmm. so we're like oh my god that would be awesome because you know the state at the time was refusing to replace any plumbing they just said well we're going to put corrosion control in you that's a chemical you can't fix a corrosion problem with more chemicals you could have used it to slow it down 
you know, you could have used these orthophosphates, but you can't coat holes because that's what the, 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 the water was so acidic. It ate through. So there's holes like uh, the lead lines look like Swiss cheese. So I don't know how you can coat holes. You can't, by the way. So they said, well, we're just going to dump more chemicals into it. I'm like, oh, wonderful. That's great. You know, that's terrible. So that's the best we're going to get right now. And so we were begging to get the Army Corps of Engineers in here. We were begging for Medicare for all, like Libby Montana got when they mm -hmm. were poisoned. And, you know, because we have people without health care. We have people struggling. They don't have insurance. Yeah. Um, and so we asked for a lot of these things and we made our demands up. Um, we started Flint Rising, which was basically, it's basically um, a, a coalition of Flint groups and our allies from outside of Flint to, we went door to door. We went to every single door. We canvassed to find out what people wanted and needed and to get there. With, and, and the three things we asked for was for every piece of plumbing and infrastructure to be replaced by Flint hands. So we could actually have people with jobs, get job yeah. training and all that stuff. We want Medicare for all for life. We want full holistic health and mental health care and education support for life because they, what they did was um, they gave us a Medicaid ex water expansion for children up to the age of 21 mm -hmm. even though you're um you know when you turn 21 your poisoning doesn't go away and um and of course if you move you don't have your health care anymore yeah. so that was fun and you of course had to be you know very low income to get it you couldn't have insurance through your employer you, you, the fun things that come along with medicaid um but then also we asked for all of our water bills to be refunded because we at the time are still or now are still paying eight times the national average or more for water we can't safely use and now that the pods which are points of distribution sites where people could go pick up water are closed uh, because the state decided they didn't want to spend any more money they said normal money and this was also under governor whitmer our democratic governor now but of course we have a we still have a republican state house who feels that it's not their job to uh fix flint because and i quote um if we fix flint we're gonna have to fix every single other city that has water problems too mm. god forbid job. that yeah god forbid right. that happened so oh, okay. obama comes to this uh televised town hall and what happens so he gets snyder gets booed off everybody's happy he gets up there and talks so he's talking and everybody's excited because he was like this ray of hope um, Nayira Sharif says it best. She said, he came in as my president, but he left not as my president. Because then he started talking about how we'll all just be fine. That he probably ate paint chips and didn't wear a seatbelt as a kid and he's fine. I'm like, people are dead because they didn't wear seatbelts. And people are forever destroyed because they ate paint chips. I mean, the, co the correlation between, you know, learning disabilities and miscarriages and, and all this stuff are already there. But then also, if you look at leaded gas and paint, I mean, crime and all this. I mean, so I'm just standing there like, what? He's saying what? So by then, my son, my youngest at the time, couldn't stand because we were standing and he couldn't stand anymore because his joints hurt so bad. So we were sitting on the floor, looked up to me with this little face and said, mom, the president says uh, everybody's fine. Why am I not fine? I about busted somebody's ass right then and there. And then he pulled the stunt where he asked for a glass of water. Not one of us believed that that was a, 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 a glass of Flint water because we still had, the, not any pipes had been replaced. There's no way that, that the Secret Service would have let him drink a contaminated glass of water. And he drank it and it just, all of our hopes, dreams shattered. And then he said he's going to leave us in these fine state hands because he trusts them and that they, he thinks they'll tell them the truth. I'm like, oh, why would they tell you the truth? They haven't this whole time. They blocked information to the EPA and lied to the EPA's face. So you don't think they're not going to continue to lie to you, you know? So it, it was it. That was our last bit of hope that we were going to get help from the outside. And that was the last punch in the gut that said, nobody's coming to help you. Nobody's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. You got to do it on your own. So we're like, yeah. you know, go to court. I mean, yeah. we're suing and it. It's the only yeah, way. Yeah, no. And look, this this was uh, 
I think a low point in an administration that had so much promise. Um, and you know, it's funny you're you're talking to somebody who was who organized uh, protests from the left on immigration, right? So I was immigrant rights organizer for ten years, and during the whole Obama presidency, you know, we had to fight him about you know stopping uh, deporting people. Yeah, and they were, I know that they were checking people's uh, immigration papers when they were, at first, they were giving out mineral water, which is so disgusting. Um, you look, I can talk to you forever, but tell us, like, how, how can folks support your organization right now, and what is next for what are you fighting for? Like, what, what do you guys have on the agenda? So we're going to continue doing what we do best, which is getting in the face of elected officials, pushing for the laws. We're on the, I'm speaking at the EPA um, next week. I'm speaking at the EPA, the, um, where they're talking about the legend copper rule. They're going to be discussing the lack of changes and the going backwards. So we do this. We're on the working groups. Um, we helped form the strongest legend copper rule and safe drinking water act um, as a state, um, but the state of Michigan is still not good enough, still not health protective. We still have no bathing and showering standards in this country. So we're working on getting those changed. We're working on helping other um, communities. It's obviously been hard with COVID. And then Flint Rising, we are, um, uh, not, what are you fighting for? We don't take donations or anything because I don't want anybody to control my big old mouth. <laughs> and I probably lose funding anyway. But um, with Flint Rising, um, we do, the coalition, we we go door to door. We've been trying to help uh, protect people right now with COVID and get, making sure that people have their water turned back on. So we're fighting the water shutoffs because we still have massive shutoffs and a huge hepatitis A outbreak on top of all this because no running water. And so we're fighting to get people's poison turned back on, but also making sure they've got filters and getting their pipes replaced like they're supposed to. Um, so we, we can take donations through Flint Rising because we are a nonprofit, but then also um, just help us by getting our, our stories out. Follow people who are actually from Flint and you can find out what actually is going on. We're happy to answer questions and help might take us a minute to get back because we're busy, but um, we can let you know what's going on on the ground. And then when things get safer, feel free to come to Flint and Canvas with us. Um, we have an amazing city. We have the strongest people you'll ever meet here. Poison beat down the, you know, obviously all of the racial oh my god the environmental racism the racism in general everything you're going to see what's the, the you know what happens to it you know here Flint's a good example of it but Flint's also an amazing example of people uniting to fight back yeah folks um there is the cavalry is not coming we need to be the ones Absolutely. to liberate ourselves melissa it was so good talking to you i want to thank everybody for spending this hour with us um and we'll be talking more Hi, welcome to Fighting to Win, the series where we share real stories from the front lines of the environmental justice movement. We're the Center for Health, Environment and Justice, and we support activists around the country who are fighting against toxic chemical pollution in their communities. Most of them are everyday people who discovered toxics threatening their neighborhoods and decided to create the change that they need. Here at CHEJ, we connect communities to each other. So when COVID-19 hit, we launched a webinar series to bring organizers, activists, and community leaders together despite the distance. These conversations have been rich and inspiring, and now we want to share them with you as a reminder that we are together in this fight. And not just that, but we are fighting to win. Subscribe to Fighting to Win now wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening to Fighting to Win. 
To learn more about the Center for Health, Environment, and Justice and the communities we're working with, visit www.chej.org. Subscribe to Fighting to Win wherever you listen to podcasts and stay tuned for new episodes.